Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life with your host, Michelle Aubin and Linda Lang. Welcome everyone today to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. I'm Michelle Aubin and I'm here with Linda Lang. Hello, Linda. Hello, everyone. And Linda and I, before the show, realized that we're both in this really kind of fun, kind of funky place energetically. We're going to talk about chanting, and I'll back up and say I attended a workshop that Linda's doing, and she did some chanting. It was Huna chanting, just to give everyone some context. And as I shared with you, Linda, I was really struck by the what was communicated in the chanting was more than just the sounds i don't even know how to put this into words but there was so much that came through the tones and the notes and it was in a language i don't understand i don't even know what the words meant but i could hear layers of meaning coming through so i just like to open us up to that and if you could talk about chanting and what that is like for you and and what maybe I was hearing and all of, all of that what was in there wow big question big question absolutely one of the things I would share is that I've always kind of been drawn to native chanting and drumming and there's so much energy in the power of the voice and in drumming as well. And it, it's quite often a tool used to uh, induce trance or take shamanic journeys traditionally in the Hawaiian culture. Uh, as I am a Huna student, we chant and we are taught how to chant and how to put energy into our words when we chant. And they're very sacred ways of connecting with energy and sending our intentions and our prayers and our blessings out to those listening and as well to the spirits and environment that we're in. So I was really excited when you told me that you could feel more than just my voice because what I believe is that when you're clear and you step into the power of a chant that the lineage comes in and chants through you where the chant chants you is what we're taught in huna more than me chanting the chant and it is a really powerful way of clearing energy and just really connecting I, that makes sense. That idea that the chant is chanting you or the lineage comes through. Can you say a little bit more about what it's like for you when you're chanting in terms of you mentioned bringing through some energy or, or accessing that energy, not just saying the words, not just singing mm -hmm. the notes, but what is going on when you are doing that chant are you connecting with the lineage are you connecting with an intention i believe definitely that the lineage connects up with me when i'm chanting it's very strange it's really different than than singing and you're not 
you have no self judgment about, you know, am I singing it properly or because it, it really isn't about singing. It's really, it's not about sounding pretty and beautiful and in harmony. It's about connecting with the energy. So when I do a chant, the powers with the breath, for sure, I'll typically take a ha breath, which is the Huna style of breath empowerment. And then I'll reach deep inside myself into what we call the now or the gut or that, that core of your being. And you pull up just all this energy that comes through your voice and through the words that you're saying. So there's a vibratory vibration that is going through my body, that's going through my aura, that's going through all the people listening, that's going through the room, the energy just goes out. And it is, it, it's just one of my favorite things to do. It's almost kind of, you know, mesmerizing, I think. And I even like it more so because it is in, it isn't in English. English tends not to be, have as much creative power, I think, as the ancient languages that used to really connect with vibration and creation power when they spoke, like ancient you know, Hebrew and ancient Egyptian and, and the Aboriginal languages have a really different quality than, than English. English is more, you know, headspace than, than energy yeah. space. Mm. Yeah. And, and on my end, being someone participating as a listener and not knowing the language. So on my end, there was no logical understanding or interpretation, which I actually enjoyed that process of experiencing the chant without having that frame and just allowing whatever you were intending, allowing that to happen and just witnessing it in whatever way I could interpret it. So my interpretation is kind of limited in, in that sense that I didn't, I've never heard that kind of chanting before. I didn't have a frame of reference, but in that sense, I was open to it. So it was, you know, it was fun to share it with you, share it my experience with you, you know, today, and that we're sharing it with the audience as well. Could you talk a little bit about Huna? Because you mentioned that this was something you learned in your, in your training. And for listeners who may not be familiar with that and with, you and your training. So what is Huna and how did you learn to chant? Huna is the ancient Hawaiian system for healing and spirituality. And it's a very heart-based training. At the base of Huna is Aloha, which is it's love, like unconditional love and connection. And, and I don't even, you know, it's, you can't even put words to it because there's just so much energy and emotion that it's like having a giant open heart center and just hugging everybody. And yes, it is shamanic. So there are some more traditional aspects to it 
but it really is a system of empowerment and how to, you know, work with your higher self and your unconscious mind and to shift things in your inner world so that you can create your life the way you want it to be with an open heart, being responsible for your life and your actions and releasing the past. I mean, it's a huge, huge system. And it's been quite a journey for me. I've been uh, studying it since 2005 when I, I'd never heard of it at all before and went to a Huna weekend here in the city I live in. And right away, I could tell the power of it because I had an attachment that was released in one of the exercises and I could really feel, I could feel it burn out of my energy system. And then I felt it come back in when the exercise was over and I went to the trainer on the break and uh, he released it for me permanently, which is fantastic. But it was at that weekend I understood that HUNA was really not just a modality or a training you take. It's really a way of life and a way of looking at life and a way of being responsible, a way of connecting to your environment, to the elements, to, to all the people that you meet in your life. Uh, as we were talking before, I just wanted to share one little dream. You know, I love to talk about dreams and I had a chanting dream on my first trip to Hawaii, on my first training for level one. And in that dream, it was amazing because there was a bird, uh, like a kingfisher, that did the call. There's a call in the chant because there's drummers and then there's a like a lead caller and then the, the people chant the chant. And the bird was the caller and the breeze started to blow and the trees started to sway in line with the chant. It was just magical. And the day after I had that dream, my travel partner and I spent a couple hours before our airplane ride back to the mainland. And we ended up at this shopping center that had the Kingfisher and the trees and outdoor fountain and it was just like it was just like oh my god I'm nice. I dreamt about this what that dream showed me was the energy in the chance that affects it affects everything not just you know it's not just a song I mean the trees were dancing to it the wind was corresponding to the chant the animals were included. It's just a beautiful, beautiful dream. It's not just the human ears that are affected. It's all of the beings in the environment that are responding. And I would suspect that as well with any Native chanting. I know here in Canada, we have a lot of Native uh, tribes, and I could just sit and listen to their chanting for hours. I mean... It just takes you to another place. And I have the greatest respect for the communication of energy right. through chant. Beyond the meaning of the words, beyond the logic of, uh, of the meaning. Now, 
um, just for clarification, I realized um, when you talk about HUNA and your training in HUNA, is HUNA a training for shamans or shamans to be, or is it a spiritual framework for everyone, even if they're not training to be a shaman? Is it is it sort of a worldview, or is it specifically a shamanic training? Do you, do you get my question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there are a lot of people that take HUNA that are not interested in doing healing work with other people, not interested in being a shaman. They're doing it for their own empowerment or because HUNA has called them. In HUNA, as probably with most traditions, a shaman would not call themselves a shaman. Right. Other people would call them a shaman before they would, because it's almost like the more you know, Michelle, the less you know. Yes. <laughs> we were laughing about that before the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's such a big energetic matrix that creates this world. Huna is just one way of working with the energy Instead of against it or being oblivious to it, it's just, a, I found for me, a really powerful way of creating change for me and for my clients. So I guess my question too, though, is about, is HUNA um, a way of saying it's the original spiritual worldview of the people of Hawaii? Is that just a word to you know, to um, convey this is sort of how people live it, who okay. are from Hawaii. You know, what I'm getting at as opposed to I'm taking a class in HUNA. Well, what, you know, what is that really? Is that just something that is an, an ancient way of living? So HUNA never used to be called Huna. Huna means secret. Okay. And when, when Captain Cook discovered the islands and, and white man came to the land and Christianity came there, the teachings and the way of life of, of the ancestors had to kind of go underground. So it went to be secretive. It's not taught there kind of maybe mainstream. It's not something every Hawaiian does as regular practice uh, anymore, although that would have been the case. It, its original name was called Ho'omana, which is Ho'o means to make and mana is energy. So it was a way to empower themselves in in their lifetime so did i answer your question okay <laughs> i think so I, <laughs> okay okay given given where my head is i that answers me um i don't you know i i guess if anyone listening has further questions please write in the comments and we'll do an we'll do an extended version of of this topic if people need more information. Okay, the one thing that I would like to say, maybe clarify a little bit, is that to, to 
via kahuna, which a lot of people know the word kahuna from Frankie Avalon and his movies right. and, and, and just that kind of, you know, Hawaiian um, mythology that's out there. Kahuna means master, and there were masters of all kinds of things. There could be mas a master healer who used herbs. There could be um, uh, divination masters or um, masters that were agricultural, that everything had a kahuna. So it would be like the expert, right, it, or the, the master. And to really become like a shamanic master, a master of healing. It was a lifetime study. You would be under the tutelage of a great healer and, and you would learn and experience through that kind of lineage, right? Handed down, it's like apprentice. And that land of Hawaii holds the energy as all land does. I'm sure that you've been to places that felt really yucky or really fantastic that might have the imprints of what happened there before. And there is a place on the big island of Hawaii called, let me see if I can get it right off the top of my head and it's not coming. We call it Honau now for short now it's a park like a state park and it was ancient land that was the healing land oh. it's where they would send their soldiers to if their soldiers had to go out to war to fight a neighboring island's tribe let's say before they would go back into society they would go on this land and their their physical body, their mind, their emotions, and their spirit would be healed before they could go back into the regular structure of society. Oh, that's that, interesting. That, wow. which would be fantastic if we did that for would. our soldiers of today. I mean, yeah, people who, I don't even call them criminals because I don't think they had that word, but people who did, you know, things that were kind of Kapu, forbidden, uh, things that were against society's laws. If, if they made it to that land, like they would be punished. Or if they made it to that land, the healers of that land would heal them and they could come back into uh, society right. Right. with no issues. According to how it was explained to me and how I've understood it, that's the story and the understanding I have. What I would say about this land is that it is absolutely amazing that you, as soon as you step onto the ground, if you're an energy sensitive, it's like this energy goes through your body and you go there. And many people in Hawaii will go to this land and they'll just sit on the lava stones and the stones absorb their anger or their frustration or their sadness. It just clarifies your energy field and that's the vibration of the land just in this place. It's phenomenal. Well, there are a lot of healers and spiritual, I guess, teachers for lack of a better word, who 
spend a lot of time in Hawaii, it's just an interesting thing to observe how many people who are energy sensitive people go to Hawaii or live there or live there part time. And the other thing I've noticed is that there's some of these people talk about how Hawaii is the ancient land of Lemuria or part of it. And that the healings of that civilization, the, the, that it was a very healing based civilization and that the, that, that has been transmitted through some of the teachings of Hawaii. So I don't know what you think of that idea. It just is interesting to see how many people mention what you just mentioned about the power of the land and the healing aspect of it. Yeah, I've heard that as well, that uh, Hawaii is the remnants of ancient Lemuria. I've also heard that Lemuria used to uh, go all the way down to Peru. That was the tip of it. And there's a special energy about Peru too. So mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to say. I have kind of no attachment to it either way because to me it's this time right. that's important, the here and the now where we can make change. But it definitely wouldn't surprise me. For anyone that's interested in knowing a little bit more about Lemuria, I would recommend listening to some of the Cryon channelings because he brings quite a bit of information uh, about Lemuria and its connection to Hawaii. Uh, through his channel. Okay. I, I wasn't aware of that. So that's another uh, resource that yeah. mentions that connection. Absolutely. Well, Linda, we're almost at the end of um, our time for this show. I don't want to wrap up without mentioning that you talked about an experience where you had an attachment that was removed from you as part of your healing and part of your learning and I think that's a topic maybe rich for an entire episode. We could talk about that. So anything you want to say before we go? Any final words? I will say, ahui ho, which means until we meet again in Hawaiian. That's beautiful. Until we meet again.